This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Min Dariwal. And welcome to The Loop. So, Min, how are you doing? I'm doing not too bad, Claire. Yeah? It's, uh, it's been a busy week. It's been a week. Uh, hanging out indoors a lot. Um, watching COVID updates as that situation Ugh. continues to unfold. Yeah, that is tough to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, we're breaking records in some really awful ways. And um, I don't think anyone needs to be reminded that we are still so much in a pandemic. Yeah, when I, when I see people who have moved away from Alberta and they're living in different provinces yeah. now and they are weighing in on what's happening in Alberta, that, yeah. that tells me that we are top of mind for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, but we're taking some time out to think about other things, watch some happy-go-lucky TV do yeah. other things. Uh, but we really want to start this week's show by acknowledging and recognizing September 30th, which is actually the day that we're recording this episode. Um, but this Thursday is the country's first national day for truth and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And before we go any further, I just want to make sure we share the number for the Indian Residential School Crisis Line. So if you or anyone you know needs support or are affected by the experience of residential schools, you can access emotional and crisis referral services. And that's at the 24-hour National Crisis Line one 925 4419 And we're also going to put that number in today's show notes in case you need it now or later or whenever. But, I mean, you took some time this week and you actually spoke to elders and Indigenous leaders about what this new day means to them, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. I got the chance to speak to uh, several people and um, and I really appreciated that. And, I mean, this is something that's been top of mind for me Uh well before, you know, this yeah. day was recognized and, and everything. Uh, but, you know, it's important to to get people's perspective, uh, people who have experienced mm-hmm. some of uh, what we're uh, recognizing and reflecting upon today, yeah, right? Yeah, to listen so, and learn. Yeah, absolutely. And um, all of this, of course, started in 2015 after the Truth and Reconciliation Commission created the uh, 94 Calls to Action, and one of which was creating this day, replacing the Orange T-shirt Day, and officially recognizing it as a national day to reflect and remember the atrocities committed against Indigenous people. And uh, especially in a year when we've seen the discovery of thousands of unmarked burial sites at former residential schools, the introduction of this day, I think, uh, is certainly appropriate. So I got a chance to speak to elders Fernie Marty and Taz Augustine, as well as educator Louis Cardinal. All three of them were very frank and forthright in their discussion about today. And what it means to them, what they hope people will do on this day, and how it'll evolve over the years and help the Indigenous community to heal. Here's some of what they had to say. What the day means to me is that the truth should come out and there should be some form of reconciliation. The reality is, for me, the truth still isn't out. I think that uh, truth should stand on its own and reconciliation should come after all the truth has been told. The truth and reconciliation calls for action, action to heal the wounds that have been caused by our governments of the day. You know, let's speak the truth here. The truth is going to help us heal these issues. It's sad to say that the residential schools are still continuing in a way of speaking here in the province of Alberta. We have child welfare. That's the new residential school system today. The children have lost their lives in those foster care homes. So what is our government doing? Nothing has changed. It's just called a different thing. Truth and reconciliation calls for action, not only on the government's part, but on all Canadians. It's long overdue, uh, that's for sure. 
for me, it's a day of remembrance. It's a, uh, a day of reflection. When you're, when you're healing a nation, it takes generations. So we need to think about that as well uh, on, on the 30th, is that this relationship that we're rekindling and re-strengthening with Canada and Canadians is something that will take time. There's no quick answer to this. And so that's why every year from here on in, we should take that time on this day. At least educate yourself. Do something that one day that tells you something that you didn't know about Indigenous people. That's how you contribute to making the change that we want. Well, in my mind, it's absolutely, uh, you know, equivalent to November 11th, where we honour the soldiers who've died in, in battle. But this battle began with children and apprehending children in, in the 1800s and placing them in Indian residential schools, where many of them suffered many types of atrocities. So uh, why would anybody want to celebrate that fact? You know, uh, they need to be learning and they need to be processing that information and they need to come to terms that it's the truth. People don't need a day or a specific day to do what is right. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, this government has chosen not to honor us with recognizing that day. That is their choice. Uh, but it doesn't stop me from moving forward and doing what I have to do. And I don't think it should stop anyone else to, um, to do what's right and to learn some more. When we talk about intergenerational trauma, we're not talking about something light. I think it's time Canada wakes up and Canadians wake up, you know, to understand how this works and how this is not stopping. It's continuing and it's an act of genocide against not only our culture, our spiritual practices, our languages, but when you find over 5,000 bodies of children in unmarked graves, it becomes an act of genocide because now you find children that have, been, that have died as a result of being in Indian residential school. What schools have a graveyard beside them? More people are becoming aware of the real history of this, ca this country. And that's a good thing. The truth has to be spoken. People were wearing blinders, thinking, you know, that we live in a country of milk and honey and everything's all, you know, good. Well, it isn't. And we have to see that and we have to recognize it for what it is. We have to call on our governments to start dealing with these issues. One voice does make a difference. You know, imagine one million voices, what that would do. That's about the population of the city of Edmonton is about roughly around a million people. And the city of Edmonton's got the second highest indigenous population of all of Canada. What are they doing? Our parents, our ancestors, has gone through a lot of trauma, and that definitely has played itself out through the, uh, uh, through the generations, and it will continue to do so until we do the healing that we need to do. So I think when we, when we look at um, um, what a, an individual can do and how they can contribute, it seems like it's a lot, but it's not. One act of kindness and um, one act of learning, you know, is moving us that much closer. You know, maybe talking to the youth who are working and accepting the truth for what it is, making our apologies when necessary, wherever that may, wherever that may happen. You know, it's not the color of our skin that matters, it's what's in our hearts. You know, and if we can feel that, that love for one another as human beings, we're going to go a long way. We're going to heal this nation, we're going to make it the nation it's meant to be, you know, a good, proud nation of Canada. And the real name is Kanatak.
which means clean land. And when they said, what, what do you call this country when they came here? said, Kanatak, eh, Kanatak, which means it's clean. And now somehow or other the words got twisted and it became Canada, eh? <laughs> Min, are you ready to dive back into the young votes? I think so, yeah. Why yeah. not? Um, today's topic is, a, uh, I'm a bit hesitant as a young millennial because we're talking business and taxes. Right. Um, last episode, if we remember, Cody McAway, who joined us, said he was got excited about taxes. Yeah. That's not everyone's reaction. That's not my reaction, at least, but they matter a lot to how we live in the city every day. Yeah, they, they certainly uh, do. And uh, yeah, Cody's reaction was, I think he was a little overexcited about taxes, but hey. Whatever floats yeah, your boat. Whatever floats your boat, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are the city of entrepreneurs. There's no doubt about that. And there's uh, so many new business owners and you see them all the time, especially within the young vote. Uh, there is a lot of diversity in terms of economics and what's on top of mind when it comes to the city and, of course, well, money. Money, money, right? money. Um, yeah, so today we've got a couple of people on the show to talk business and taxes with us. Fun. Mm -hmm. um, Jesse Goetz is a digital marketing specialist working with small businesses here in the city. And Zach Shivji works for City Truck Stop, his family's business here in Edmonton. Thank you both for joining us. Thank Thanks you for, for having, having us. us. <laughs> Let's start, uh, Zach, with you. Uh, your family runs two businesses, one truck stop in the city, another one in Hinton. Um where, where's your head uh, going into this election, uh, especially coming from from a small business uh, background? If you if you'd listen to the candidates, they're all talking about either a freeze or a decrease in the city taxes. Wow. I think in his last year, Don Iveson understood that people had enough of increases, especially when you compare to other other Canadian cities right. when uh, when Don Iveson froze it. So I, I think that we need to pull back a little bit. On the, on the taxes. On the taxes side of things. Okay. Uh, Jesse, you're a freelancer and you work with a number of small businesses in the city. Uh, what's on your mind? What are you hearing from them uh, regarding this election and uh, how cost effective it is, I guess, to run a business? I think a lot of people are struggling coming out of this pandemic and still having things changing on them, what feels like every single week. So going into their election, I think a lot of people are just looking for stability and answers and a plan on how to how to move forward without without losing losing their business. Some that have been, they've been having for years. So, Zach, I'd love to jump to you. Um, what's the most challenging part of running a business in Edmonton right now? What do you think? So I deal with a lot of transportation. I mean, like with big trucks. If you get a TV in Edmonton from Best Buy, it has to be on a truck. If you get an Apple, it's it's been on a truck. Yeah. We don't have a port. So mm. how the truckers are feeling are extremely important. It's kind of like this hidden side of the economy, economy no one sees. I think a lot is up in the air, and that's just because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, Jesse, what's the biggest challenges that you've seen being someone who's freelance, who's self-employed? I think that being self-employed has its own issues, regardless if you're living in a pandemic or outside of a pandemic. When you're living in a pandemic, you also have the added factor of, is this business or is my client going to be running their business actively for the next five months or are they going to be shut down? Um, with the new restriction exemption program that came in, it's very stressful for me as well on a, on one hand because 
small businesses don't typically have their in-house marketing person and I end up being the one marketing hire that they have and so they come to me and they ask me questions like do you think we should take part in this program there's going to be backlash if we do it or if we don't we don't know if we can stay open if we don't offer dine-in what's what should we be doing if I say the wrong thing this this family might just be completely out out on their butt yeah. basically so what what about the, the election here now with all the different candidates in terms of uh, you know a b- business platform has has anyone kind of uh, leapt out at either of you a few candidates have I think have really stood up for me Michael Oshry Kim Cruchel, uh Cheryl Watson Cheryl Watson just yesterday announced that she doesn't want to fund the LRT so I'm pretty disappointed in that right it's future infrastructure that we're going to need mm-hmm there is a recognition that Edmonton has to diversify from most of the candidates, but I'm seeing a lot of people talk about tech yeah. and not enough about innovation and not enough about uh, immigration. Because I think I feel like if, if if immigrants are coming to Edmonton specifically, they're coming for opportunity. Mm-hmm. They're not coming for our, our beautiful winters. <laughs> right. <'cause> they want. <laughs> They're, they're, they're coming because they want opportunity. So that's, yeah. if you have more immigration, that's a very good sign. But we're only focusing on tech. Right. I, Krim Kershaw definitely stands out to me uh, for a mayoral candidate. Mm-hmm. And I, I live downtown, so I'm also looking at those candidates. And someone that's kind of stood out for me there was Gino Akbari. Mm. I find uh, Kim has a really good understanding of how partnerships need to need to be formed between the city and its innovators and its entrepreneurs on on the point of Gino I really appreciate from him his different different kind of perspective on things yeah. of where he has worked with so many businesses especially especially in downtown he knows the people he lives around here and on the other hand he also has this side of empathy mm. that I love having grown up sometimes in poverty at one point he he was homeless with his mother and it's wow. it's bringing together these two sides of understanding businesses and understanding humans and bringing empathy to the table as well which is what I feel that politics yeah. lack so much definitely I also want to bring up innovation we've touched on this a little bit I'd love to know what kind of innovation you want to see in the city though what kind of businesses would you like to see based out of Edmonton Zach is there anything in particular you'd like to see us move towards yeah I like this is something that's really of interest to me because how do you compete with Toronto how do you compete with Montreal how do you compete with mm-hmm. Vancouver I think the answer is specializing like uh Edmonton had a program called Making Edmonton Digital, which I partook in, which gave you about 12 hours with a digital expert, which I thought was wonderful. Because it doesn't matter if you're a, a cupcake stand or a hot dog vendor. You need a website nowadays. You yeah. need to, yeah. a website to sell anything. Personally, I like to. See, I think people are talking about tech a lot, and you hear them talk about tech and tech and tech. I like. I think Edmonton is a city for founding for a lot of great companies as well. Mm-hmm. So booster juice is from here. Like there's the uh, payday loans company that's from here. We we we're we're a big founder city, and we should be thinking about that as well. Like yeah, it's great if we have Investopedias from here or Bioware. That's wonderful. Yeah. But we should also encourage people to start a new business, and that money trickles down to the local economy pretty quickly. We're gonna get beaten out. Edmonton is by not only other cities in Canada, but all over the world. 
if I want, if as a business owner, if I want something designed, I go to Fiverr. It's someone in Bangladesh right. who, who answers that. Who answers that? And we're not going to be able to compete with that. And the mayor, mayor, whoever it will be, should be a cheerleader for Edmonton companies and founding, starting companies in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Jesse, what do you think? Where do you want to see innovation in the city? I worked in AI and machine learning for a while. And I found it fascinating. You would be surprised how how many companies are doing AI here that were founded in Edmonton or that have their North American headquarters in Edmonton. Mm. And I think that that's something that we can't ignore. If this is going to be a tech hub and we're innovating in that world, I think that's wonderful because we already have started it. And the thing that I think is important about that is then we can we can scale these companies nationally and internationally quite quite easily logically um, just because of what they're doing. And with that, we ha- now have these big companies who are looking for educated people to come in and fill these jobs, which is then going to do the exact same thing. As, uh, as what Zach was saying, this uh, trickle-down effect. When we have more educated people in high-paying jobs, they're now going out more, they're spending more, they're buying more things, and they're supporting all of these small businesses that we already have in place in Edmonton. I think that it's um, kind of like a more big corporation that we're missing here in mm-hmm. Edmonton specifically. Yeah. I want to turn the conversation towards everyone's favorite topic. Not my favorite topic, taxes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hit it off the top. This is not the most fun conversation. And I think it's because it's a bit confusing sometimes, at least for me. I find it very confusing. So I want to know what you think of when you think of taxes. Um, Jesse, why don't you start us off? What, what comes to your mind? Well, I had the uh, the misfortune of being a finance major. So <laughs> I uh, I think about the hours of restless nights that I had learning them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but no, taxes make the world run at the end of the day. Without taxes, we're not getting roads. We're not getting a water supply. Mm-hmm. We're not getting public transportation or health care schools. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something we can't avoid. It's a conversation that we have to have. As soon as you're an adult, you'll be paying them every single day for the rest of your life. Yay. Was school kind of your big introduction into taxes or was it something you'd thought about when you were younger as well? Um, I don't think anyone really wakes up as a six-year-old and thinks taxes. Uh, Fair. (laughs) But um, I think that I really got introduced to it when I started working with with startups and small businesses and seeing how this is an expense that people worry about and consider when making their decisions. Mm Mm-hmm. Zach, taxes. What what pops into your head with that fun the word? Taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so so I did an engineering degree and then I did my MBA. Mm-hmm. And when we were, uh, they would have talks at the U of A and you get to talk to people in industry. The biggest thing that they would talk about that I had no idea about was taxes and the fact that we have a relatively high tax in the city. And a lot of, uh, a lot of, I think it was York Realty. What he said was, Everything is moving outside the city when it comes to industrial. Mm-hmm. So if you if you own a if you want a big warehouse, you're going to move to Edison or Nisku. Yeah. 
where the taxes are incredibly cheap compared to the city. So as a result, those left in the city are going to have to deal with higher taxes because they still need money to fund all those things, those wonderful things like roads and schools and an LRT expansion. So I haven't heard any candidate discuss it, and I'm kind of worried about what we're going to do, but that's, that's something that's happening currently. So what I'm seeing is that a lot of people right now don't have the revenue to be able to pay the taxes coming out of the pandemic. If we want to avoid businesses from to be closing, we need to figure out how to potentially give them this break or put in payment plans or do a billion other things that are going to avoid this person being stuck with a thousand dollar bill that they're physically unable to be paying right now. Coming out of the pandemic, we're seeing that small businesses really suffered, whereas larger businesses or big corporations that were able to to use their platforms to be selling, uh, selling digitally, doing e-commerce and all these things, mm-hmm. they ended up increasing the revenue threefold, I believe. Everyone else is kind of sitting there wondering what to do next um i think that that also needs to be taken into consideration when we're looking at taxes specifically for for the next year or so until everyone's back on their feet and has regained their footing Mm -hmm. we're certainly in a weird moment (laughs) i think it's fair to say but i also want to look into property tax a little bit closer because for business it's one thing but it also matters for a lot of homeowners or people looking to buy so for yourselves does affordability make you think twice about living and working in edmonton uh so i definitely am on on the younger side not quite buying a home yet or (laughs) thinking about it thinking about it it's on it's on the list of things to be doing in the next three years i would say Mm -hmm. and so definitely looked at places and been shopping around i also have a friend who just got her first mortgage um other uh, people that i've worked with or acquaintances with that are buying homes and thinking about it and it's really interesting um, how younger people are looking at taxes right now, especially property taxes, when you're thinking about what they're going to be funding at the end of the day. Right. With all the conversations that have happened during the pandemic about how we're funding policing and all of these other programs in the city, a lot of the younger generation are very hesitant to be to be funding these things. And part mm-hmm. of that is going to be hesitancy to be paying these high taxes, to be going towards programs that they find immoral. And I think that's where a lot of hesitancy comes in when you're thinking of buying a home or doing having other large ventures in that sense. On the other hand, though, we're seeing the young generation really get into investing and generational wealth and all these things. I mean, we can tell that just from from the spike that crypto has been having. So I think there's a back and forth and it's really going to come down to what everyone's individual thoughts are and uh, potentially also the city working with the younger generation uh, about funding and what's going to what's going to happen in that uh, in that direction as well. Yeah, as more young people are buying homes, there may be more conversations starting and a little bit more movement in that way. Zach, what do you think? I think this is a huge topic, but there are three things that really stand out in my mind. The first thing is Edmonton as as a city is ex- extremely affordable when compared to other municipalities. Mm. 
if you're if you're comparing us to Toronto or to <laughs> Vancouver, like yeah. we, we a lot of people forget that Edmonton is the fifth or the sixth largest city in Canada, but we're extremely affordable compared to the rest of the country. So I don't think people are shouting that from the rooftops enough that if you want, if you are, have a choice where to where to live, live where you can afford your own place. Uh, the second thing is the fact that Edmonton has a big urban sprawl problem. Yeah. And that 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 is affecting our taxes as well. The the bigger we go out, the more we push out. Yeah. The more we have to pay for pump pumps, mm. the more we have to pay for for infrastructure and that's costing us a lot. Personally, I like to see the center of our city becoming more dense. Mm-hmm. Are are you a homeowner? Have you contemplated home ownership? Yeah, I, I live in a condo uh, right now that I purchased a couple of years ago, and I live here with my wife. So you're fighting for that densification. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on, yeah, with my pocketbook. With yeah, my, with my pocket. Yeah. It's something I really truly believe in. We can't live the way we have been living for 50 years. We have to, if we're going to live, de- if we're going to continue and work for the environment and, and mat- reach pl- uh, climate change goals, we're really going to have to change. And part of that is really living in smaller places that are that are more dense. And then all of a sudden an LRT makes sense and rapid transit makes sense because everyone is closer together. Um, next question is about uh, back to the election and what about what about the future now? I mean, depending on who this new leader is going to be, um, you know, what, what would you guys like to see uh, happen for Edmonton's future or w- which way it kind of gets steered? What I've been seeing with in Edmonton the last few years is really there's been a change in culture. So we have more street art, which I absolutely love. We have a lot more food places, which I love. We've become a lot more of a foodie city with a lot more going on. Absolutely. Yeah. I I really appreciate that because that's local businesses and that's local culture that you're supporting. I think Don Iveson has done a lot of great things. Well, like the, the, the bridge, how many people you see take pictures of that? The Walter Dale. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, or people hanging out on that hill. Like I love just driving even by there to see how many people are there. There's been a lot of great things that have happened. The next candidate has to build on that momentum. Yeah. And when Cheryl said that she didn't want to push the LRT, I think that was uh, that was saying that she doesn't want to invest in our future. Yeah, I mean, he brought up a good point that with the with the building of the bridge, we definitely don't uh, don't look as ugly anymore. And I I want to just say that I feel like the city needs to go through a bit of a rebranding program and get rid of that the terrible Deadmonton nickname that we have been having for years. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but mm. I I love living here. There's <laughs> so many things to do. It's a very cool city. And I think that that's something that we need to also keep investing in because at the end of the day, people from Edmonton that are going to the U of A are dreaming of moving to uh, Vancouver or Toronto or Montreal because it's cool to live in. Yeah. We just need to make ourselves cool. Just get us out of get us out of the Deadmonton area. I mean, you're the expert, but I want to pitch you. Can we just call ourselves Alive Minton? Does that work? Is that bad? <laughs> Doesn't roll off the no. tongue quite as nicely. Yeah. That's okay. I'll keep but, uh, uh, spitballing. We'll, we'll work on I'm it. Sure, that'll look good on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, you and me. We'll we'll come up with something good. I'm into it. It's time to choose Edmonton. Monday, October 18th is Municipal Election Day. Once the votes are counted, we'll bring you the latest results. 
Join Nancy Carlson, Tahira Fruzin, and me for an election night special starting at 8 p.m. Right here on 93.9 FM and on the CBC Listen app. It's going to be a late night, so who's bringing the donuts? Um, that's your job, Mark. I'll take a glazed. So, man, what are you up to this weekend? Well, I I think I'm going to have to uh, just enjoy the weekend. Who knows what <laughs> next weekend, or at least next week, is going to Bring, yeah. Right. I mean, whether we go into any kind of lockdown or anything yeah. like that. So that's something to keep in mind. Flying but, by the seat of our pants. Yeah. Flying by the seat Alberta. of our pants. Let's see what happens on that front. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, maybe uh, prepare for the white stuff. You know, <laughs> Don't even winterize. say the word. The S word is not allowed. Not until October. Oh, no, it's Pull October. Pull some weeds, maybe clean some uh, stuff up around the house. Nice. Maybe, I mean, yeah. if you want to maximize your weekend, I have an idea for you. Okay, shoot. Da, do you want to hang out with me on Saturday and check Saturday. out Yeg Podfest? What time? <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot. I mean, okay, so I'll give you a little background. I'll give everyone a little background. Because, um, yeah, this is the second year of, of the festival of Yeg Podfest. Nice. And I'm excited because I get to be a part of it. So it starts uh, tonight, October 1st, if you're listening Friday when this episode airs. Um, cool. And it's not too late to actually register for the Masterclass session Saturday morning. So, Min, you can grab a coffee or I know you're a tea huh. guy. Turn yeah. on your computer. Come hang out with me and Anise Haydari. I know Anise. Yeah, you know Anise. Yeah. He's great. He's a producer on the CBC show Cost of Living. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about lessons in audio storytelling. So I'm um, kind of doing a case study on some of the stories and situations that we've been in and, and what we've done with that work and teaching people how they can use sound in audio stories and podcasts and things like that. So so you'll be flexing your uh, podcast chops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it sounds like I think you'll have a lot of people turn out to that. I, I So far, it looks like it's going to be pretty good. There is still room, though, and people can register. It's free and online. But there's mm-hmm. also... I, I gotta say, Podfest is stacked. There's yeah. so many things going on, and I know, um, you know, there's a couple more CBC things. Absolutely. If hanging out with Claire is not your thing, <laughs> there's <laughs> there is tons of other stuff. Saturday, you can join CBC Edmonton's Mark Connolly. He'll be ta- he'll be talking to Justin Ling and Peter Brown, who are the brains behind the Flamethrowers, a CBC podcast tracking the rise of right wing radio. That is at one o'clock, mm-hmm. and then CBC Television's Nancy Carlson, who is always bubbly and Great to talk to. She'll Nancy's be, a gem. Yeah, she's good. She'll be hosting a conversation Sunday at 1 with host Rosemary Green and producer John Chipman, who created the CBC podcast Life Jolt. It's a great series diving into the lives of women navigating Canada's correctional system. Wow. That's, that sounds pretty interesting right there. <laughs> Rosemary is uh, a former inmate herself, shares her story, and connects with others as they dive into all sorts of issues and challenges for women who have been or continue to be living a life behind bars. So... Wow, that, that that might be something that worth, uh, I'm, worth I'm gonna tuning into. I'm going to geek out for a minute. Not that I don't geek out for right. the entire podcast usually, but um, fully, like Life Jolt and The Flamethrowers are two of my favorite CBC podcasts right now. Cool. I binged Life Jolt over a weekend, just went on like big long walks right? and listened to the whole thing. It's incredible. Um, mm. It's super powerful. Rosemary is incredible behind the mic sharing her story. No kidding. Uh, and so you can listen to that whole thing. It's on CBC Listen, all of it. And then yeah. Flamethrowers is coming out weekly right now, and that's like a really good, you know, I like to listen to it on the weekends, have a coffee, feel smart in the morning, listening to Justin yeah, and okay. Peter go back in time a bit. Um, but a snarky take on, on that, I'm, I'm sure. It's fun. And yeah. you get to hear the actual tape. It's, um, mm. But yeah, so I mean, if you want to come hang out with me or any other amazing CBC and Edmonton podcasters this weekend, you can do it all online. And again, as I mentioned, this is completely free. Nice. Um, so you can just go to cbc.ca slash Edmonton for more info. Okay. You'll see a link to PodFest right on the community page. So Min. I was just going to ask you, 
Where do I go to find out what time and where this stuff's happening? <laughs> Will you come hang out with me if I, I might. ask nicely? Yeah, I think Saturday morning. I mean, uh, I don't think my soccer team's playing and, uh, until later on in the day. Or I like how I'm like second up to soccer. Yeah. I, what if I bribe you? Yeah. Let's yeah? see. What, what do you got? A loop tote bag. Because <laughs> here's the thing. And again, have enough tote bags. we mentioned this last week, but we are giving away a loop tote bag, a loop keep cup, and a loop pin. Email the show. Tell us what you think. Chime in on our The Young Vote series. Look Again, you, you could eh? win all of these swag. items before Min gets them. Yeah, sign up, people. <laughs> um, but for now, I mean, let's talk about our podcast. Yes. Because The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. Our team is, of course, Min Darwal, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Christina Silva, and James Evans. And then there's me, Claire mm. Bonnyman. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And um, thank you for listening and for chiming in to win a tote bag. <laughs> There's always a lot more to know. It's um, important to Brian. So we come out every Friday with a new episode. You can leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show or listen to CBC Podcasts. Um, and then yeah. if you want to get in touch, too, there's ways to do that. Yeah, there is. Uh, we have an email, loop at cbc.ca. Use hashtag the loop CBC on social media or reach out to us. I am at Min Dariwal on Twitter, and Claire, you are at Nami Nob. Nami Nob. <laughs> it's her last name backwards. <laughs> and of course, follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. Have a great weekend, everybody. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.